Alright, um, I'm gonna do uh, a video today a little bit, but remember we also are gonna be doing um, uh, Ryan McBeth live with some rapid fire questions, another interview with him, uh, ask him a little bit about how his trip went and stuff like that, and that'll be uh, later, 7 to 9 live tonight. Make sure you're a subscriber, because uh, the chat's set up for subscribers only. If you want to ask him any questions, jump in there and fire away. Um, so... I wanted to cover a couple things that were going on. I did a live video yesterday. Uh, we talked a lot about, about that. Um, like I said, kind of the new style I'm going to be going with um, in, in regards to, you know, some of the stuff's got to be called out. Some of the stuff's got to be explained. Some of the stuff's got to be uh, better information. Information has got to be put out there um, with solid facts and solid explaining. And there's going to be, like I said, so we're going to have to just, we're going to have to be smarter. We're going to have to learn to be smarter if we want to keep this. It's by the people for the people. So to do that, you got to be a little smarter. So that being said, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, some transportation stuff going on. Next week, I'll be doing a little bit more with, with, uh, some, with the ships and still covering other stuff, things like that. So make sure you can always go to stagedoeslive.com. Uh, you can check out the podcast and the other places that I put all my videos. So if you've missed a video, or it's not there, or it's some you know uh, access denied or whatever. You can always go down there and you can download it via podcast on Spotify, um, or you can catch it over on Twitch and uh, Vimeo is also set up. All right, let's jump into this one and let's go to my display. So uh, the first thing I wanted to kind of talk about right now is what we're dealing with is going to be this Christmas. Uh, this Christmas is going to be a a a big deal. So here's the gist. Here's the gist. I've talked about this. I've gone over this. I've explained this. Uh, we Right now, we have massive amounts of goods. We have lots of them. Lots of stuff coming into the ports. Lots of things. Uh, ships coming in. No place to put stuff. Uh, there's This is an article on Freight Waves from uh, Rachel Premack. I've interviewed her. Um, but this is basically huge issue for Christmas. Um, we're going to have another probably uh, 0.75 to 1 when the feds get together and they raise our interest rates again. So it's going to be higher credit card rates. And right now, credit cards, you can get a billion credit cards if you want. Everybody's offering credit cards because they know they're going to make a cha-ching money on these credit cards, right? Because people can't afford to use anything other than credit cards. So watch out with the credit cards. So Christmas right now, you just I just have to ask yourself a simple question. Everybody out there, put it in the comments. Is Christmas going to be the same this year as it was last year? Are you going to be still getting the same amount of goods, the same amount of things, the same amount of toys, the same amount of stuff like that? Or is it going to be more slimmed down, um, thoughtful Christmas and, and getting gifts like that rather than, you know, quality, not quantity type Christmas? And, and just that answers where you are going to be in Christmas. So if you're in the trucking industry, if you're in the freight industry, that tells you right there is the Christmas, is there going to be a huge supply and demand? Is there going to be a huge demand to move these goods? And the answer is no. So uh, they're going into a weird Christmas. This is what she talks about in the article. Um, and she basically says, our biggest retailers have way too much inventory and not enough customer buzz. People aren't feeling, oh, I can't wait to go shopping. Can't wait for this and that. But there are sales if you want to grab stuff. If you can't afford to grab stuff and there's something you need, look for a sale. Do a little searching. Do a little, you know, browsing the internet. Don't just pop in one place. Search for it. There's probably a sale. Um, that's a problem heading into Christmas. Big box behemoths like Best Buy, Bed Bath & Beyond, and Bed Bath & Beyond is even hurting more than others. Um, I, uh, they're bloated stock rooms and falling sales, so nobody's selling anything, right? Uh, she goes into the numbers. You can find this on FreightWave. And right here, huge. I've been talking about this for how long? How long have I been talking about this? I don't know, a year this gosh darn bullwhip is making everything a struggle, including holiday shopping. On top of that, the bullwhip effect is only hastening the current inventory crisis. Here's how it works. We all know how it works. We've been listening to this show. Bullwhip, it goes up, it goes down. Uh, peaks and valleys, very bad in logistics. It is not good. You want consistency. And we're, we were being, we're being bullwhipped. We're being bullwhipped by, by economical style of warfare from other countries in regards to goods. That's why we're seeking out other countries like, let's say, uh, Vietnam, Mexico, to be able to not be bullwhipped and get things back on a steady flow. This is 
what's going on. Uh, this is going to be a weird peak season for Target and Walmart and Amazon. Uh, and it shows goes they goes into graphs. So this is something that how does it affect a truck driver? Your rates are going down. How does it affect you, the shopper? There's going to be lots of sales if you have the money. Um, how does it affect you if we don't control the bullwhip? The next inflationary whip will be huge because a lot of truck drivers are going to be going out of business. They're going to be losing their businesses. And when if things were to come around or if something were to happen, let's let's say we went into conflict right now. And goods had to be shipped big time. We needed to, to ramp up everything. We would not have the truck drivers to do this. Okay? We would not have, if we went into some type of conflict and a, a bunch of things had to be moved and logistics had to be moved and things had to be hitting you know, different ports and being shipped out and goods had to go, we would not have the truck drivers to do this. It's a dangerous place to be, to be completely honest. I am not going to lie. So if it was me, again, and I was another country trying to take down the United States, just saying, I would definitely uh, optimize on your issues. And the issue that we have is logistics. Our, our infrastructure is crap. It's old. It's not efficient. And now we're going to be losing truck drivers. We're not going to have the rail capacity. We have all this other stuff going on. And if we were in a, some type of an emergency... Uh, that we needed to ship a whole bunch of goods very quickly. Good luck with that. All right. So one of the other things I'm going to cover uh, was uh, another YouTuber. So another YouTuber is uh, Jeffrey Light, and he's from uh, Tucker's Education Network. Now, I, I am friends with Jeff, but uh, obviously even friends can disagree and have different opinions on things, or some of them can be completely wrong. Um, and unfortunately, at this point, uh, Jeff is is wrong. And I want to explain this because it's been over and over. And this is kind of misinformation. It's not be, And it's either by mistake or on purpose. I don't know. All I know is I'm going to correct it here. And that way it's corrected with examples. And we're going to go ahead and make sure we fix issues like this because there are a lot of truck drivers who at this point are trying to look at other aspects of their business to branch out um, as a carrier. They're looking to possibly get their, uh, the, their brokerage and they're looking to possibly do other things with it. And the information that they need to properly do that should be correct information. Uh, and, and I want to make sure. So we're going to kind of go over that real quick. Now, we could, I might do a, a video that would upset a lot of people in the industry that watch this channel. And of course, they'll probably do some rebuttal videos if I get it. But yeah, unfortunately, I, I'm going to have to. What people understand is if the trucking industry would stick together, you could set the rates. You could set them, not the broker, and not certain load boards that everybody thinks is gospel when it comes to average rates. Okay, so here's what he's saying, and here's, let me explain this. So basically what he's saying is that if right now um, they feel that brokers set the rates, that brokers are the one that picks the rates and set the rates and determine the rates um, for the amount of money that a truck driver hauls freight, okay? So what he's basically saying is right now, if all the truck drivers got together, they could set the rates, okay? They could set the rates. Um, if all the truck drivers got together now, it's an impossible task, right? Cause not all, obviously it's not all truck drivers are going to get together and do that, but let's pretend you could. Okay. The problem with this, this mindset, this mentality is when it comes down to it, customers set the rate because you only have so much money in there for shipping. You only have so much money in there to buy something. If I'm buying something, I only have so much money to buy that, okay? So what happens is, and this happens a lot, if your shipping costs are $10,000 and I only have $2,000 or $5,000, I'm going to go elsewhere because I can't afford your shipping costs. I can't just make the money. I can't, it just can't come out of thin air. I have to have the money for the goods that are shipping, OK, so to keep costs down. Transportation costs have to be optimized. OK, now that optimization is basically what a lot of freight brokers also knew. Well, we can warehouse it here. We can ship it here. We can do this. We can find a carrier. We can get a direct thing and things like that. 
But if all the truck drivers got together, who's, what prices are you setting? Who's in charge of the price setting? What if one guy wants $5 and one guy wants $10 a mile? Which one are you going with? Like, who's in charge? Who's picking the rate? Who's deciding what's a fair rate and what's not a rate? If you guys are all getting together. And, and just so you know, and I hear this all the time, is, well, we can set the rates. You need us. I have had carriers go out and buy trucks to ship their own freight. When freight rates were so high, they hired, they bought their own trucks. And they trained their warehousemen to drive a truck, right? So they, they basically had one guy come in with a CDL. They had him train other guys to have a CDL. Eventually, any warehouseman also had CDL, and they had to go out on the road. And they can deliver freight. That cut their costs. So a truck drive, a, a, a manufacturer can buy trucks and put on a trucking company and have that. And as long as they haul their own freight, their costs are, they don't have to pay the over the road expenses, but they can only haul their freight. They can't haul any other freight. Okay. Manufacturing can buy trucks. Trucks don't buy manufacturing plants. I don't, you don't normally see carriers buying a manufacturing plant just so they can have trucks. But I have seen manufacturing companies buy trucks to move their freight. So what you need to understand when you're looking at we could set the rates, you kind of have to look at the, at the logic of that. Okay? I, if I'm a manufacturer, I can go ahead and hire a truck driver, buy a truck, and have that truck haul my freight and have him work for me. They do it all the time. My, my customers... Three of my customers have their own trucks. Okay. Very rarely, if I have never seen it, has a trucking company gone out and bought a manufacturing plant just to be able to haul the freight from that manufacturing freight onto their trucking company. So if you want to go out and, and, and so if all the truck drivers got together and set their own rates and determined that, that's fine. Then, then brokers are just going to tack on their money on top of your rate. Okay? Because the, the customers are still going to go the, to the freight brokers to be able to logistically move their operations. So many truck drivers just look at hauling a load. A customer wants the, the logistics handled. Inbound, outbound, um, warehousing, um, cross-docking, all that stuff. That's a logistical business, and that's where, where freight brokers come in, right? So in regards to this, the mindset, you got, we've, you've got to get rid of the mindset that we could set the rates if we all got together. One, it's not going to happen, but that's a, that, that's a, a, a broken mindset, all right? And that's not going to get you anywhere. That's not going to get you anywhere. They're not getting rates from shippers. I'll tell you that. There's no shippers going to give out their rate. When you have load boards, they're getting these rates from rate cons. How do they know the rate cons? Because every load board has a funding company. Right. And I've explained this before. I, 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 I'm, a lot of people are learning from, obviously, my videos. There is what's called an EDI system, right? And EDI systems are internal systems that basically shippers, that logistics companies give to shippers and say, type this information into this EDI, electronic data interface system. It's an old school system. Now we use uh, transportation management software. So the transportation management software, let's say, or 3PL is given to a shipper and the shipper inserts the load into that. That information then digitally goes out to multiple either carriers or freight brokers to bid on that freight. Okay. To help offset the cost of that, the data from that is sold to different companies. It's sold to, uh, uh, it can be um, DAT, it can be sold to uh, FreightWave, Sonar. It is sold to different companies to offset that. It's money, man. It's money for that. Why would you not? If you, all you want is to be able to collect this data, okay, and it's sold. And we all, all of our data is sold. Check your cell phone. Your data is sold. The same thing that's happening with your cell phone is happening with these interfaces. So it's not that shippers are giving that to them. 
shippers are using this stuff just like you use yourself. You're not giving your data to China. You're using apps on your phone that is selling that information or giving that information to China. And you're using the, the, one of the costs of using that free app. It's not free. It's the fact that they can make money off of the data that it collects. That um, is partnered with them. So it's easy to get the data. But they're not going to get the shipper data. That's for sure. They are. They actually are getting the shipper data through the app that the shipper uses to input the load into the system for it to go out to various carriers. They're not going to. All right, let's see what Canadian Freight Broker says. Truckers have a belief what equipment should cost. Yet, we're not truck or trailer dealers. Brokers, shippers do the same with rates. Certain companies are low value, don't want high rates. Yes, true. But over time, we know what equipment costs, right? It's, it's a lot different than rates. The only way a trucker knows what the true rate is, is if they go to the shipper and get the load themselves. Correct. Dedicated customer, whatever, direct customer, whatever you want to call it. I could go out and get direct customers. I've already been approached for direct customers, but I don't want direct, direct customers. Why? Because I'd have to broker all that freight out. And right now, I don't have the time for that. And that's true. He would have to broker a lot of the freight out because the carrier that he has is is a all in um, leased on carrier. Um, so it is, it, and it, it's something that it can be scary when you're like, okay, now I've got a direct customer. How do I do this? Where do I go with this freight? And and uh, uh oh, you know what I mean. But it's coming. When I grow this business to a certain level, then I will focus my attention on the brokerage and direct freight and trailers so when trailers go back to normal i get to a certain level in the trucking company which is it's getting close then i'll focus towards the brokerage still building the trucking company but then i can put more focus in the brokerage to get the direct customers put drop trailers in strategic locations at some shippers slash receivers um, that i've already been approached with so and a lot of times what, when it comes to – a lot of times shippers and receivers, when, if you're approached with them, it's a good, good, good decision to kind of jump on that because they're, a lot, they're not going to wait. A lot of times they're not going to wait, right? They're going to – they need to move their freight. They need to find consistency. They need to, and we're going to explain a little bit of consistency uh, uh, in a couple more minutes. But it's – and I, I, that's why I say if you have a carrier – after you got your carrier for a couple months, you know, three, four, five months, it's a good idea to get that brokerage so that if you get your own, you know, your own numbers and you're hauling your own freight and you run into a possibility of a direct customer, now you at least you have that, that brokerage because it's fairly cheap to get that set up. You don't have to put a lot of money into it at that point, but at least you can have it sitting there um, and actively on standby. Because you always have to be thinking of the next level and what to do. Don't get complacent on where you're at, right? So, and that's in any business, right? So, I mean, if you want to be... Now, a little bit of this is going to be directed towards me because uh, one of the conversations that he speaks with a guy named Rob and one of the conversations that Rob, um, the dean, has with me is uh, I have gone a route... I, look, I, there have been times where I've had 20 customers and, uh, you know, I, I was nonstop moving, flying, you know, making great money, but... Um, I've had customers reach out and say, you know, would you work for me? Would you work for us exclusively? Would you sign that? Would you be a part of that? You know, blah, blah, blah. And for me, I'm, I'm getting older, right? I've been doing this for a long enough time that I don't need to, to have um, six, seven, ten customers, right? The three, I, I, I have one big customer and I have two smaller customers, no, uh, three, three smaller customers, um, that I work with, but that's, that's a comfortable level for me in regards to, um, where I want to be. Now I posted my numbers on my community page over the last 42 days. I've moved $166,000, uh, over the last 42 days, $166,000, uh, 160. Yeah. Something like that. Um, so I think I'm doing all right. I think I'm doing all right with, with what I've got and what I'm moving, um, for a one man show. 
to and still doing my YouTube um, and everything else that I do. Complacent, and you only want to have one customer or two customers, you know, or less than five customers. That that's your business, right? Um, but you, if you don't grow and you don't want to grow, then what do you do? You're just stuck in one level forever. Now, I disagree with this. What you want to do is start out with one customer. All it might take is one customer, right? Because what happens with that one customer, and now who, who I, I don't have, a, I don't have a, I don't even advertise, I don't do it anymore. What happens is with the customers that I have, they say, hey, you've moved a load for these guys, they told me to give you a call. I now get referrals from the customers I do have. So a lot of times, if you're starting out with that brokerage, or you're starting out with that carrier, just try to get one customer. Just try to get one. Start at one. See where it goes. Start at one. And that's all you have. And if you lose those customers, then you're out of business. Because one... You're always going to lose customers. You're always... You're going to get... You're going to be... At, at some point, you're going to be at a point where you're going to get customers. You're going to lose customers. You're going to have to go out and find more customers. It's like riding a bike, right? There's no way if I didn't want to right now, I couldn't start making phone calls and put myself in and get customers. I think a couple months ago, I did it. And I got a new customer. I, did, I, made, I sent 12 emails and I got three responses or four responses and I got one legitimate customer out of that. Um, so it's, it's, it's not like, well, you're going to forget how to do it. No, you don't forget how to do sales. You don't forget how to do your job. You don't forget your, your, you gain experience with that customer. You gain experience, you gain knowledge, you gain where you went wrong, where you went right, and you use that knowledge and experience and, and time to, to know how to approach another customer. You haven't been practicing and going out there and getting other customers. Just like in trucking, if you sit there and you haul freight for years, years, and years, and years, and then if you stop hauling freight and you take a vacation for years and you come back, things have changed. Uh, yes, you could still do it, but you know, it might take you a while to get back in the groove. You know what I mean? But yeah. So like I said, and this is, a, I think directed a little bit towards me through, through Rob and Dean, because we've had, I've had this exact conversation. I'm talking exact conversation uh, with Rob, like word for word. He tried to tell me the same thing. And I'm like, it's not true. You know, I could probably still get in a tractor trailer today and drive a tractor trailer today. And I've been out for a long time. It's easier in trucking because you can look on load boards and just get loads. Now, if you're a broker and you have to actually go out there and beat on the doors and talk to people or sign up to a bunch of 3PLs and things like that, uh, I mean, you can do that too, but you still have to get the freight. Right. And, and I can, I, like I said, I can legitimately still do that because I can say, here's my years of experience. Here's what I've done. Here's how, I, you know, what I've been doing it. I, I have leverage now to go out and get customers. So, but start with one. Start with one. Even a years of six months of moving a direct customer freight gives you leverage to be able to walk into the door of somebody else. It's, it, it, the biggest problem with this is that it is not, it is not a instant get-rich-quick scheme. It's a process. It's an industry you're going to have to learn, and you're going to have to grow in. It's a lot more labor-intensive, right, Canadian Freight Broker? It's a lot more labor-intensive um, going out and getting a freight than it is to, you know, get on a board or apps and just pick loads. Absolutely. Because the middleman's doing it for you. Absolutely. Um, so I look at growth, right? There's, there's a few ways to grow. Grow the trucking company, which we're doing. Grow the dispatch, which is really growing. I mean, we have carriers that we're dispatching for. So we're going to keep growing that. And then when I have the time, I will grow the brokerage on my time. And then we'll start getting agents and so forth, just like we're going to add dispatchers. We'll add agents and so forth. So that's all coming. It might take a few years, but we're in no hurry. Trucking's going nowhere. Brokerages are going nowhere. So that's there's correct. no hurry to get it done. We're going to do it right. We're going to do it once and do it right. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> doing it once and doing it right in the trucking field is very difficult because there's a lot of moving parts that can break on the way. There you go. Come work brokerage with you. Of course. Um, this summer, this next summer, the shop should be built. We should have that up and running. Um, of course, the offices will be there. So we won't have this echo. Uh, I got rid of some echo, thanks to CDN. Um, but we'll build a studio inside of that office building. And then we'll do YouTube videos there. And then, you know, we could have other microphones and cameras set up, multiple uh, platforms there. So you could come in and be on the show if you want. Stop by, be on the show.
A lot of shippers have set up fuel surcharge program and accessory fees set. In fact, some shippers have rates in select lanes. Smaller mom and pop companies deal with the spot market. Um, right. But see, this, this is where, you know, there's a lot of different thought in this industry. People think spot market is overfill from the mega shippers. It is not. There are more mom and pop businesses than there are megas. Okay, so a lot of spot market freight is um, it is freight that can't be covered. Okay, so let me let me explain. So like like me with the spot market, I might have a, one of my customers that just calls me up. I'm not contracted with him. He just it's spot market freight. I, he's a, a construction company. Um, either I'm moving tools to a job site or I'm moving tools off a job site. I don't know when the job site's going to go. I don't know when it's going to. All right, so he'll just call me now. The issue is, is that I don't post that on the spot market load board. Okay, so oh, when, you, when you're think, understanding spot market, when you're understanding the load board, the load board, I am calling my drivers first. Okay, so although it's not just contracted freight, it's freight that I can't find one of my regular drivers on. Okay, so I'm calling my regular drivers. I'm like, hey, can you be on this day? Blah, 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 blah. Can any of you guys be here? Call. I go through down my list. I call my guys. Um, and then my second step is, well, my guy can't be there on Wednesday, but he can be there on Friday. With Will that work? If my customer says, no, we got to be out of there by Wednesday or we're going to get fined. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll get, I'll get you a truck by Wednesday. Then I'm using the spot market board. That is the last choice for uh, brokers want, they don't want to be on that. They don't want to be on that board. They want to go down their list. They want to send emails out now. Um, with technology, I can send emails out. Um, I'd rather send emails out than put it on the board. So it's not, it's not just contracted freight. So even mom and pops businesses, if they're going to a broker, they're going to that broker to find a carrier that the broker has most likely either used before or has in their, you know, a relationship with. If I'm putting it on the spot market, which I do sometimes, very rarely, but I do, it's because none of my guys are around. And I, I got to find somebody to cover it. Just like in trucking, there's more independent owner operators than there are megas. Right? So trucking could actually control the freight rates if you could get everybody on board. It, it can't. It can't, actually. Because like I, I've gone over this earlier on, and this is this is a this, it's a it's it's it just can't because at some point, then if you charged me ten dollars a mile, and I used to be paying five dollars a mile, I now have to raise my costs. Now your costs eventually go up because inflation goes up. Okay, if you if it's too much for me to ship, if you're too much because now you're setting the price. I'm going to find another means to be able to stay in business and I might buy my own trucks. You will not buy a manufacturing plant to move your freight. I will buy a trucking company to move mine. But that's the problem. You will never get everybody on board because just look at the YouTube. No one can agree with anybody. Everybody's got to argue about things because they have their own opinion and they think their opinion's right. No, it's not opinion. This is fact. This is how businesses run. Businesses, I, I made a manufacturing business and there are things that if I can find a cheaper way to do it, it's in my best interest to do it, I will. You don't believe me? That's why we make things in China. It's cheaper. And so forth and so forth. So trucking will never band together and do what they need to do. One, if you're an owner operator, you need to know your business's cost per day. The cost per mile is not where it's at, folks. If you do cost, if you do your now, this is one of the things the trucking company I, I agree with. It, you can know your cost per mile, but unfortunately, when, when a truck driver gets a rate, he gets a rate of $250 a mile. But what he needs to tell, he, it's his job to convert that into how much a day. Because we don't pay our mortgage by the mile. We don't pay our car payment by the mile. We don't pay our electric bill by the mile. So it's the conversion from by the mile to a daily rate. And this is what truck drivers need to understand. I need to convert that by the mile to a daily rate and so that I can take that daily rate and figure out how much I'm going to make a, a week, a month, uh, obviously a day, a week, a month, and calculate that so I can figure out if i got enough to pay my monthly mortgage, my monthly electric bill.
mile, right? Well, I need 212 a mile. It's not gonna work. If you know your cost per day for your business and your home and everything added up, you will always be profitable in this business. Why? Because you're not gonna care when you call up in the broker. You're not gonna even ask them, well, what's that pay? How much per mile? How much per mile? You hear these guys. Landstar guys are the best for it. Oh, well, I'm getting 350 a mile. That means nothing. If 350 a mile, what if it doesn't cover your cost per day? Means. I mean, it means something, right? You don't want to haul 50 cents a mile. Um, you'd like to get the, the highest rate per mile in the shortest amount of time. So I want to get the highest rate per mile underneath it for the shortest amount of time, right? Th that's, that's what you're actually looking for. Nothing. It means you're losing money. But if you know your cost per day and you ask the broker, hey, how much does this load pay? He says 1200 right? What if it's two bucks a mile or $1.50? You don't care. He says it's $2,000. And if you do all your math, let's say you need $500 per day. And you, if you're working for a company, you take the percentage, you deduct your fuel cost. And if it equals your $500 per day or more, you're making profit and you're staying in business. See, because a lot of guys will sit like right now, they sit on the sidelines because they're like, oh, the rates suck. They don't know the cost per day. All they think is the cost per mile. I agree with that. What they think they need. And so what happens? They sit one, two, three, four, five days a week. But guess what? They find that load that is their cost per mile. Let's say it's three bucks, but it's not three bucks no more, folks. You sat a whole week. You will never make that money back up. It's simple math. Exactly. Smooth trucking. The simple thing most of these guys are missing. Missed most of the days in school. That's right. They, they went out back, smoking their cigarettes, you know, doing all the other stuff, not going to class. So... Uh, CDS exactly, Jeff, is the smaller companies that contribute to load board explosion in the past five to eight years. Right. Um, so it, I look at different when I look at trucking over the last 32 years. Um, I see the dedicated freight. That's one freight option. So dedicated freight is something that the same carriers hauling it, the same brokers uh, has it and giving out and it's constantly moving every day. Direct customer, dedicated, whatever you want to call it. Then I see the spot market freight. Because that's separate from the from the direct, right? Spot market. Spot market freight is something that hey, we didn't know this was going to go, you know, and we've exhausted all of our internal options. Go ahead and put it on the load board, and let's just get it moving. Freight, and then, uh, then you have all your specialties, right? That you can go through. But for van, you got two things: you can have direct freight or spot market freight. It's just it's two different animals in the arena for freight. Now, yes, if, if let's say I go to fifty trucks. And I get some direct customers and then I broker some of that out, right? You can offer that. What that offers is a stability. You know how much it, see, that's why mega carriers have direct freight. They're not doing it because they're gonna make a lot of money. They're doing it because they say, okay, we could have this P and G, we get 10,000 loads a year for them. This is the X amount of money. This covers this much of our business guaranteed. We know we're, we're nowhere in business. We're nowhere not going out of business because we have this freight to get us there. Now, 99.9% of the chances that they can make more money um, running spot market? Yes. Yes, there is. Because spot market always beats direct. No, spot market does not always beat direct. It does not always beat direct. I'm telling you right now, spot market freight. If you're a driver and you think spot market freight always beats direct freight, you are wrong. I'm telling you right now, you're wrong. Okay? And I will... I I. I do not offer the same amount of money to a spot market driver. It's always lower than I give to my guaranteed drivers who I've worked with, who have earned more from me, who have earned my respect, who have done a good job, who have proven themselves. I always pay them more than I pay somebody I have never met. Always. Always. If I know who you are, you've hauled some freight, um, you've done a good job, you've, got, you've made more money. That's like saying somebody that comes in off the street is going to make more than somebody who's been there three years. Not. It's not. So if you think the load board is your best paying rates, it's not. I always give more money to the people that have proven themselves to me than the, to the new hires. That's the reality. All the time. Now, people say, well, I'm getting this. Well, yeah, but if you do the average over the year, it beats it. It beats it. So that's why the mega carriers still dabble in the spot market. Because now, listen, understand, hang on. Because they're making the extra money. 
but they keep the direct to keep their business. And why they have to do that? Because they own all of these trucks and trailers and they got a lot of overhead. Okay, stop it. Stop it. This is backwards thinking. This is backwards thinking. Okay, business, this is not how it works. Let's say you want to start a lawn care company. You want to mow lawns. I had a 19-year-old kid that I interviewed who's probably made a million bucks right now. And he, this is the thought process. You want to start a lawn care business. He started a trash company. You want to start a lawn care business. Do you go out and buy 15 lawnmowers? Or do you buy one lawnmower and then try to find customers with that lawnmower? Or do you go to, I'll tell you what he did. There are people that have gone before they even bought the equipment and said, hey, you know me, if I was able to go ahead and get this equipment, would I be able to get some of your freight? Would I be able to get mow your lawn? Would I be able to pick up your trash? Would that be something you're in need of? Is that a service you need? Is your lawn being cut by someone a service that you need? Well, yes, it is. I'll be back tomorrow or I'll be back next week with, with a lawnmower. Okay? Businesses don't buy 50 trucks, 50 lawnmowers, 50 dump trucks, 50 garbage trucks, and then look for customers. You build a business by finding someone who has a need for a service, and you see if you can fill that need. Trucking is backwards. Trucking, you go out and you buy trucks, and then you, you hope somebody needs you. Most businesses... Find a service, and they say, you know, that's, that's a service somebody needs someone to do. I think I can buy a lawnmower. I think I can buy a weed whacker. I think I can buy a, 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 an S10 pickup truck like that kid started with. And, I think I, and then he built it from there. So it's not that they need to keep the trucks that they already own. They have the trucks to cover the customers that they have. And when they, don't, when they lose those customers, you lay people off. You sell equipment. And if you pick up a new customer, you buy it again. It's not the other way around. And, and this is the confusion that happens in trucking. And I'm trying to break the misinformation. Okay? You have a truck and there's a load board. You now have freight. You don't want to stay on that load board. Your job is to find customers, find services, build your business. That's how businesses work. Somebody has a service. You fill the void of that service. And then that's a business. Compared to the owner-operator or owner-operator companies, which have a whole lot less overhead. So we don't need to worry about direct and having a... Now, you're, now you have a job, right? If you have a direct customer, it is a job. No, if you have a direct customer, you have a business, you have a business. Direct customers have businesses. That's a business. I have a business because I have direct customers. Not a job. That's not a job. A job means that business is paying me and I'm employed by them. I have a business. Not a job. I have a direct customer, which allows me to have a business. You're not sure independent because you can't go and do anything else. You're, you got and having a, now you're now you have a job, right? If you have no. a direct customer, it is a job. You're not sure independent because you can't go and do anything else. You're, you got to, you got to supply that direct customer. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Because if I have a business, if I'm, if my business is this direct customer, and I want to find another customer, I can hire someone else. I can hire someone to fill this customer because it's consistency and it's business. And now I can go out and find another customer. While this customer is being serviced by the employee who has a job that I hired. This is business 101. It's a job. And if you get a direct customer for a paycheck, then you don't have the right mentality or mindset or skill set to be. Yes, actually, I do. If I have a direct customer for a paycheck, ooh, what? What? What are you talking about?
a direct customer for a paycheck. Do you know what that direct customer allows me to keep? It allows me to keep my business going. It allows me to be consistent. It allows me to build a bigger business. It allows me to hire people. It allows me to move up and, and so on and so on. The mentality that he has is don't have consistency in your life. Don't have that. Because if you have consistency, it's just a job. But then when it comes to, to sell it, you have nothing to sell. Because you have no book of business. You have no direct customers. You just have a trucking company. So you just have a truck to sell and a trailer to sell. You don't have a business. Because if you're not the one making those phone calls, that business isn't making any money. But if somebody who has a book of business with consistent freight has a business. So if you want to grow, that's how you grow. A true owner operator. You're not a true, you're a true you independent. You're not a true owner operator. You're a true independent. Meaning, look, I don't hire 17 people to do contractor carpentry work without a reason to hammer nails. You build a business. You build a business, you go to a customer. That customer says, yeah, I can give you some freight, and then you haul that freight. That's not a job. There's a difference, but that's not a job. Okay? You then can say, okay, perfect. I'm going to hire Joe Schmo to, to work this customer while I go out and find other customers. Now you're growing your business. But that's true. You got to have those two set. You got to have mindset and skill set. You can have one or the other. And yeah, you might do okay. But the true entrepreneur has both. Rich says, 278 contract, 29 spot, 2022. What are you talking about? 29 spot. Those figures are wrong. I hate to tell you. Those figures are wrong. How do you know the figures are wrong? Show me any evidence the figures are wrong. You can look at some load boards and look at a $1.89. Oh, it's a $1.89 spot. That's wrong. Where are they getting the number from? Beat that number all day long. Beat it all day long. Look, they say it's 189. Okay, 189. Here's 2073 or 730. Here's 488, 461. And by the time I come down here, I go through about 100 loads before I even get to $1.89. Come on. When are people going to wake up and realize what's going on in this industry? Because this is what's going on. A lot of brokers that are new in the industry, just like truckers that get in this industry, what do they do? A lot of people do that, right? So they go to that, and you see it on some of these Facebook pages. And it just cracks me up. I just laugh at it and just shake my head and want to put hit your head here at the desk and just keep pounding your head in the desk because folks just don't get it. They just don't get it. So... If you have a company out there that puts $1.89 spot, the new guys in the industry or the ones that don't know any better, they look at that. They pay for that. So they say, oh, well, guess what? They, they negotiate with that broker. Well, the new brokers are the same way. Brokers are looking at that, and they're laughing all the way to the bank because they know they can sell it. It doesn't matter if that load's paying 6 bucks a mile. If they're saying $1.89 average, why would they want to go too much above that? Because they know that most of the truck drivers out there are going to use that as a basis. And they're going to say, oh, um, can I get $2 a mile? Uh, no, I only got $1.89 in it. Um, can you go to $1.95? Well, we can go to $1.92. Oh, okay. Well, I got four cents better than the spot. Or three cents better than the spot. Wow, I'm doing great. You could have got 60 cents better than the spot. Or 70. Because that number is fictitious. It's not fictitious. There's, a, there's obviously a number that everybody, that customers are willing to pay eventually, right? If if it's the customer's got two dollars and fifty cents in the move, that's what they budgeted for. That's all they they can build a customer for. That's all they can do. They're not going to move it for six, right? They're just not at that point. It they're they're not going to move it for that. They can't. They can't afford to move it for that, right? So this is where you know supply and demand and things come in and. It's through logistics and through this type of stuff that shippers come to them and they say, hey, what's going on in the world of shipping? Well, freight rates are down right now because we have a massive amounts of goods. Or customers are coming to them and saying, look, how much for me to put it on the rail or how much for me to put it on a truck? Can you give me a comparison? Uh, because if I can wait for the rail, I'll wait for the rail. If the rail, I don't know numbers right now because there's no way, right? If the rail's 50 cents a mile and a truck is $2 a mile, but I got to wait two weeks for the rail and I don't need the stuff right now, I'm going to put it on the rail. That drives the rate of the truck price down. So then the customer says, well, if you can find a truck for $2 a mile, I'll, I'll put it on a truck. But if not, I got to wait for the rail. I've got to have another option to move the freight because I can't afford the $6 option.
It is. You don't have to believe me or not. You say I'm full of whatever. But what do you think, cool trucking? That number is a basis. And how are they getting it? How are they getting it? Are they getting it from rate cons? Which is, that's how they have to get it. But think of this, folks. Let's think of this. Right. Let's say a broker says they get 20%. They could get 50 to 80. You will never know unless you're in that spot. Now, remember, is it possible to get fit? Sure. Is it is it realistic to get to market up that much? No. Because just so everybody knows, shippers have access to these same load boards that brokers have access to. Uh, so, and a lot of shippers can, you know, they can, if, if, if the prices is too high, they're going to find, they're going to go someplace cheaper. It's just, if, if something's too expensive for you to buy, you go someplace cheaper. I mean, shippers do the same thing. Shippers don't have a, a blank check just to, sh to, to pay for transportation. They, they have to stay within a budget and they have to stay competitive against their competitors. And this is kind of what drivers don't need to understand. It, it's, it's, there's a competition between things. And that's, you know, customers need to stay that. And they're, they're also competing against China. And it, it's, like it or not, they can't just pay whatever they want. Let's say they get 20%. So they, they like to use slang words, right? So they don't want to say double brokering. All right, so here's what I'm going to explain, because this right here needs to be explained. He said it numerous times. I've got to correct him. Um, and this is where... He, this is extremely, extremely important because if he thinks he's going to run a brokerage, he needs to understand what's going on here. It is brokering 101, and if you don't understand this, you should not be brokering freight. You should not be brokering freight if you don't understand what he's going to say right here. Because they don't double broker. They co-broker. They don't double. They co-broker. Same thing. But okay, we'll let them have their co-brokering terminology. So what happens is, let's say the Lord pays three grand. I'm a broker. I take my 20%, 600 bucks. That's 2,400 left, right? 2,400 left. I call up my other broker friend. Hey, you have a big network. Can you help me move this? I give it to them for 2,400. They say, sure, because they know the average rate for that load is, let's say, is 1,800 on the board. They take it for 2,400. They take the 20% and they move it for two grand. So now 20% was taken from one. Co-broker, 20% takes it from another. And then you're left with whatever's left. That's how it works in business. Because time is money, folks. And don't you ever think that if I'm a broker and I ask another broker to help me move the load, everybody's going to get a piece of that pie. You're not going to do it for free. If my brokerage called up CDN, say, CDN, can you move uh, these 20 loads for me? He ain't going to do it for free. That's a lot of work. He's got to answer, you know, who knows how many phone calls and do negotiations. Time is money. So everybody's going to get a piece of that. Right. See, and the unfortunate reality is new brokers with no mentor only learn from load boards. Does anyone else have a way to teach lanes and rates? I don't know. I, I haven't seen it out there. Have you? But see, that's that's the problem with the industry. It's, it's the same as real estate. Exactly. I can explain lanes and rates. I can do a course on that. That's easy. Shannon Thomas, the same as real estate. You can take this into any of the businesses that are out there. You know, the broker, that business, they're not, a, they're not bad people. Just like truckers aren't bad people. It's the way it's set up that is bad, right? Because they don't want carriers. They call it double brokering, right? So, which is not, because I call it, I could call it co-carrying, right? Co-carrying, just like co-brokering. <laughs> I could use the same terminology. There should be nothing no different if I got a load from, let's say, CDN, and my driver can't get there, but let's say I have a another carrier that I know. Hey, yeah, we can haul that for you. He goes in, grabs the load, and takes it. They call that double brokering. Okay, now let me explain this because I'm going to tell you right now. If you don't understand this, do not, do not, do not broker a single load if you don't understand this process. Okay, it is very, 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 very dangerous if you don't understand the difference between brokering and co-brokering and legal brokering. Okay, straight out brokering. All right, I'm going to explain it one time here, and I'm going to leave it, and, and then from this point on, it's going to be understood. All right, here's how this works. I have pulled up a freight broker, C.H. Robinson. Uh, we're going to even turn my pen on. We're going to do my little whiteboard. Right here, it says broker. Now, the F you used to be able to. You didn't have to have a broker to broker freight at one time. 
the law changed. And it changed for reasons of um, insurance and safety and obligation and people being accountable for their actions. It was a good thing. Okay. So this is a broker. This is C.H. Robinson. They are a broker. They have a broker MC number. Okay. This is from uh, FMCSA Safer. They're a broker. They have a broker MC number. I'm going to pull up. Oh, I can't. I got to click to this thing. Hang on. I'm going to pull up. This is Landstar. This one is a carrier. And they have a carrier MC number. Now, Landstar is also a broker. And they also have a broker MC number. Okay? They have two different MC numbers. Now, here is what happens when you broker freight. Okay? A broker, it doesn't matter the name of the company. Okay? A broker makes up a contract and moves freight from his MC number onto the carrier's MC number. So my MC number, which is a broker MC number, moves freight to the carrier who has a carrier MC number. He can only carry it. The broker can only broker it. Because the MC number that we have are for that specific thing. We've separated them. Okay? Now, a carrier can have a brokerage, but the broker who is the initiator of the contract, the, con- the load came from me, which means I did, I am required to do the following things. One of the things I'm required to do is check insurance, check safety. Okay? I'm required to make sure that the carrier hauling the freight is a safe carrier who will be responsible for hauling that load in a safe manner to the best of my ability. That's the job of a broker. That's their job. Okay? 100% their job. Now, I gave that, so my MC number gave the carrier's MC number the freight. That carrier must carry it, hence the name carrier. It's fairly simple to understand once you you get it, right? That carrier must carry it because I've checked that carrier. I know that carrier is safe. I know I haven't had an issue with that carrier. I know that that carrier, it, uh, we, we, don't, we haven't had any, any, they have never held our loads in hostage. They've never late, you know, they've never been in uh, multiple accidents. They've never been popped for drugs. I know that because I've done my job searching, checking that carrier out. That's my job. That's what the shipper hires me to do. All right. Now, once... I've done that. I assign the load to the carrier. I have a legal responsibility to do that for my shipper. The carrier does not. So if the carrier were to give the load to another carrier, he just changed the contract between me and him without my permission. He was required to carry it. I assigned the load to him. Okay? If he did it knowingly, it's fraud. Because I paid him to carry the load. He was required to carry the load, not anybody else. Because I have to check the person who's carrying the load. So if he gives it to somebody that I don't know who it is, I can be held accountable for that. I can be sued for that because the person that because that carrier either could be in a wreck. He could have a bad record. He could be a late delivery. He could hold my freight hostage, whatever it is. 
I didn't approve that person to haul the freight. I gave the load to them. Okay, now, a co-brokering agreement means I, the broker, and this is give the freight to another broker. Now, I know it's a broker MC, and it's not a carrier MC. So I am giving the freight from my broker MC to a broker MC. There's no fraud there. So we have to have a broker contract in place stating that by me giving them this load, they are fully responsible and act in the same way that I would have to act to check the carrier and make sure that the carrier is fully qualified to be able to haul the load. That is a co-brokering agreement. The reason you don't have a co-carrier agreement is that the person that hired you to do the, 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 to do the haul the freight has a responsibility that you are undermining by giving it to somebody other than the person they checked. And, and the reason that this changed is because this would happen and then people would, that weren't supposed to be hauling the load would go out and get wrecked. I don't have any insurance for them. I don't even know if they have insurance. I don't even know how to get a copy of the insurance paperwork, and they won't give it to me. So then I go ahead and file a claim against this carrier because they're the ones that were supposed to haul the load, and they said, oh, yeah, we didn't haul that load. And I say, well, go, can you give me a copy of the insurance of, from the carrier that did haul the load? And they're like, nah, they won't give it to me. What do you mean they won't give it to me? I need a copy of that so that my customer can file a claim. Yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you. Sound, sound smart? Does sound logical? Does that make sense? Now, the co-brokering agreement would be, happens to me all the time. Carrier does legal freight, doesn't do oversized freight. They contact me and they say, can you handle this? But they don't want to give me their customer. Yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll do that. Okay. I, I move it. Broker goes in there and says, hey, I've got 100 loads. I can only cover the 100 loads, but the customer just gave me 25 more loads, but I don't want to give you the 25. I don't want to give you my customer. Can I co-broker these loads with you? I'll make a smaller markup and you make it. They're, each one's not taking 20%. I can guarantee that. And I can't guarantee it, but I'd be very shocked that the, each one's making 20%. Usually you're making a small percentage to allow somebody else to move it so that you don't have to give the customer up. You don't have to let another broker come into your customer that's why you do co-brokering agreements you're covering 100 loads but now you have 25 too many because the customer just gave you 25 more so you might instead of making you know 20 percent let's just use simple numbers you might make five percent on the loads that you're co-brokering to this other carrier and they're making 15 percent they've gotten 25 loads for nothing you did all the work so they're happy but you're still making something on it and the freight's still moving, and you don't have to give your customer up, and your customer still, still sees you handling the load. It's, it's, it's really that simple. But if you don't understand this, it is very, very, very dangerous for you to be moving freight. You will get yourself sued. You will be held accountable by a shipper who will sue you and will win. Because this is the land of lawsuits, and you can expect a lawsuit if you don't understand this process and you try to figure it out on your own. We're almost done here. Why could it be called co-carrying? It would be the same thing. It's you got two same different thing. businesses helping the other business out. Same thing with brokerages, right? You got two different brokers or three or four helping each other out. Same concept, but... Now, he's going to say it's not, and, I'm complete, and it's my opinion. It's not my opinion. That's fact, because they're, they're, it, we used to do that. We, ex we changed the system because that system wasn't working. Shippers were, being, were, getting in, were, were losing uh, money. Uh, the, the logistics industry was taking hits in insurance. Insurance was going to have to go up. There was going to have to be a way to counteract the lack of uh, accountability by carriers letting other carriers haul freight without properly qualifying them and properly getting insurance documentation from them. When it's the carrier going to do it, they say it's illegal. It's fraud. Almost sounds, I'm not going to say the political word because people get upset, but almost sounds like that. Um, no, now, it, it, there's a legitimate reason, right? And all you had to do is ask. The legitimate reason is, is that that second carrier, that third carrier, we don't know the, the person originating the load whose job it is to make sure that um, that uh, uh, the proper carrier is hauling it, 
there's no way to know and no way to get insurance. And then and we turn into insurance fights and shippers become out on money. And then rates, insurance rates have to go up and, you know, stuff like that. So that's, that's basically why. Here's the thing. Who has almost all the risk? The carrier. Carriers always have almost all the risk. And that's not actually true. Like, who actually has all the risk is the insurance company has all the risk. Uh, because you have insurance as a carrier. If something were to go wrong, your insurance pays for it, right? I mean, your insurance pays for that. That's why you carry insurance. That's, that's kind of where they don't have all the risk. Um, I mean, at any point now, shippers can be sued, brokers can be sued, carriers can be sued, insurance companies can be sued. You don't have all the risk. Now brokers are starting to get pulled into it because uh, absolutely lawyers have found that, hey, if we can tie the broker to this truck, Getting in this accident. Actually, it's not that they, they want big pockets, right? I don't want to sue some guy that's making $50,000 a year. I want to sue the company that's making $5 million a year. They, they, they want the bigger pockets. Because they told them they had to, you know, get it there or they had to do this. Then those folks are starting to get sued also now. Absolutely, and they should. So they'll have to up their insurance. But when it comes right down to it, most brokers, especially the small ones, that's why they always want to be listed as a certificate holder, which means nothing, right? It, no, okay. This is another thing. This is, uh, let me. really means nothing. It's just a waste of time. Oh, I want to be listed. You don't have to be listed because as long as they have cargo insurance, something happens, the cargo is covered. Doesn't matter. This has nothing to do with insurance. It has nothing to do with insurance. And this is not the first time I explained this to him. And I'm going to explain it one more time. And I do not want this information putting out there because it's not true. A certificate holder and I will bring an insurance guy on to explain this, does not cover the broker to be insured. It doesn't cover. It covers him because now he can say he did his job. If you are a broker, get a COI, a, a certificate of insurance. What that is, it is it's verification that you did your job. It's verification that you, the broker, did your job. You went out to the insurance company, and you asked for proof that this carrier has insurance, and you, I, and you want your name on the bottom showing that. So if there's a lawsuit, if something happens, if there's a wreck, and the, and the lawyers come in your office, which they will, you can say, I did my job. He had insurance the time he was under covering me, not covering me. He had insurance, and, and I proved it right here with my name on the bottom that the time he was hauling my load, he had insurance. And I verified that through the insurance company. I don't believe anybody but the insurance company. Because he can lie to me. I have seen forged insurance paperwork. I have seen Photoshop paperwork. And they sent it to me, and then I called the, when, when I called the insurance company, they're like, no, we don't have that policy number. Well, let me email this to you. I get it directly from the insurance company, right? That's, that's exactly who I get it from, um, and I get it from no one else. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything, but it covers the broker's ass to prove he actually checked insurance. That's what that's for. It is proof of life for the insurance, and that's all it is. That's all it is. Nothing else if you're listed or not and you're listed so that you can go back it's like holding a newspaper next to a body saying proof of life for a ransom you are proving on this day that this carrier has insurance from this insurance company and your name's on the bottom saying that you asked and you did your job you can prove it now another thing if you're a broker out there yeah please listen carefully i'm listening if you're a broker out there and there's damaged freight or anything like that, and you're trying to hold back money from a carrier or charge the carrier, you cannot. You don't own that freight. You're not a freight forwarder. That's you're correct. Freight forwarder. That is correct. Technically, uh, I still have to pay the carrier for the, for the job to be complete. It is not complete unless I pay the carrier in full. Then we file a claim. If you own that freight, then yes, you can. You don't step in the middle between the shipper and the carrier because what happens is this. Once that carrier gets those bills of ladings, you're out of the loop, buddy. You don't have nothing to do with the freight. You don't own Correct. the freight. Correct. The carrier 100%. now possesses that freight. Absolutely. Until it's delivered to the receiver, it's the carrier's responsibility. If something happens, it's between the carrier Correct. and the shipper. Correct.
It's exactly where it's at. And if a broker doesn't pay you, then go against the bond. And if they don't do that, then go get a lawyer because they'll eat that up. Yeah, you just go against the bond. You'll win that one. Uh, and then at that point, um, now at, at, at the, the broker still has to pay you. Now, if there's damages and the insurance company and the insurance doesn't pay and stuff like that, you know, you could be still, you know, put into a lawsuit as carrier because you can sue for anything. But he's absolutely right there. But uh, that portion is 100% correct um, that it is not. You are not. I don't even turn. For me, I don't get in the middle. I don't call the insurance company. All I do is give the shipper the insurance paperwork and tell the carrier, hey, you're going to want to call your insurance company because they're going to put they're going to put putting a claim in on this. Uh, go again. Get the party started on your end. I'll get the party started on their end and let's let your insurance company handle it. That's why you pay your insurance. But that's pretty much it. So uh, that's my video for today. Like I said, I, um, I, I'm basically coming out there and saying, look, if I see something that's not correct, if I see something that's incorrect, I'm just going to go on called out. I mean, I, it, it's there's too much stuff out here that is either misinformation or just not true that. Uh, needs to be corrected and the only way to stop disinformation the only way to basically um protect the, what we do have protect the, the the social media that we do have is either self we protected ourselves and we do this stuff ourselves or we're gonna have to have government oversight and i'm gonna do my best to not have the government oversight um so this is basically what i did so that being said make sure you check us out later on um over here and over on wills and we'll be doing a, an interview with ryan mcbeth uh, great YouTuber, great guy. Um, uh, fun time hanging out with him. We're going to do some rapid fire questions. Not going to give him a chance to, to, you know, sidestep him. Um, but that being said, as always, stay safe. Sage out. All right. So if you like what you heard here and you want to make sure you can stay up to date, make sure you check out sagenewslive.com. That's my website. It's also going to be where you're going to find where I'm also at. Uh, podcast, Spotify, a Apple, um, Twitch, Vimeo, all these other places, not just on YouTube. So if you're looking to listen to me on podcast or anything else, you can go ahead and hit up the website. Also, upcoming streams, things I'm going to be having. And if you're looking for factoring for under 2% with one of the best factoring companies out there, definitely check me out on uh, my website. Go ahead and shoot me a text or email me about the information. I'll reach out and get you hooked up like a tow truck. As always, stay safe, stay out.